I imagine that you've heard the words, do as I say, not as I do before. It usually came from a parent or an aunt or an uncle in my case, and that usually meant that whatever they were doing, I wasn't supposed to do, whether it was to climb on top of a ladder by themselves, or whether it was to sneak a second piece of cake, Those were things that we weren't supposed to do. It's a phrase that says that I'm smarter than my actions, or that I know better, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I will still act in a way that I shouldn't. In our Matthew passage this morning, Jesus tells his followers that the Pharisees and the scribes do not practice what they preach. And while the Pharisees and scribes know better by the teaching they profess, they will still act in ways that do not match their instructions. Jesus has had repeated confrontation with the scribes and the Pharisees, and finally, he has had enough. Chapter 23 of Matthew's Gospel is an extended denunciation of their religious leadership. Matthew, including in this passage, shows a profound respect for the authority of the Hebrew Scriptures and the riches of the Jewish tradition. Without Judaism, there would be no Christianity. Matthew also recognizes that the vanity, the hypocrisy, and arrogance that troubled Jesus are universal among characteristics. It's not just reserved for the Jews or the Christians. It's not reserved for the tall or the short. We are all able to have hypocrisy and arrogance. The point of this passage concerns the true nature of discipleship rather than the condemnation of a particular people or nation. Let's look at the characteristics of these abusive spiritual leaders. In a few sentences, Jesus gives four characteristics of abusive religious leaders that cut through their outer appearance and reveal inner corruption. These characteristics provide insight that we wonder about religious leaders and churches we may encounter. These leaders were hypocritical. The scribes and the Pharisees have the content right but their behavior doesn't match. They were experts in the Bible, but their behavior does not match their teaching. Rather than seeing themselves as servants of what they taught, they imagine that they are masters who are above the subject matter. Do what I say, not as I do. This characteristic is so well known that any of us can finish the sentence. His problem is that he does not practice what he preaches. And the teacher sometimes does not practice what she teaches. These leaders are oppressive. One of the critical failures of the leaders Jesus addresses was their approach to religion. They saw religion as being about rules and regulations. You are to do this. You are to do that. You are follow this way. You are to act that way. 
However, it's clear in Jesus' ministry that true religion was about a relationship with God. Jesus brought joy. They brought judgment. Jesus taught about a God who gave them love. They taught about a God who was hard to please. Jesus said his yoke was easy and his burden light. On the other hand, they would tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. These leaders were pretentious. Another key attribute in the life of abusive spiritual leaders is the fact that they are pretentious. They are all about showbiz. I imagine if they were around today, they'd be hanging out with the rappers and the movie stars and all of the people that we see if you watch TikTok. All of the places that there's fame and fortune is where they would be. The heart of this failure is that they are other-directed instead of God-directed. Their inner reward system is preoccupied with what others think and how others perceive them, rather than what it is that God sees in them. They sometimes cannot help themselves. They are on stage in their religious living and require an audience. You know, we act one way in front of people and a different way by ourselves. You've seen people that way. When Jesus was alone, he was the same person he was with others. When he was with God, he was the same person he was all the time. These leaders are arrogant. This is the key to the other characteristic. The people Jesus came into contact with were filled with self and self-importance. There is no room for God when your soul is filled with yourself. Now, back in one of my previous careers, I was an education consultant, and I would give large presentations to school teachers, to board members. And I would stand and I would deliver this wonderful, I thought, presentation. But throughout the presentation, I kept talking about me. And I used I a lot. And at the end of the presentation, Marshall, who was one of my coworkers, pulled me aside and he said, Teresa, it's not about you. And I was so embarrassed that I had made that particular presentation, and I don't know how many since before that, about me. And he's like, they don't care about you. What they're here to learn about is whatever software we were teaching or preaching or giving. And I have used that for years now. And I'll remind myself in many occasions that it's not about me. It's not about them, the Pharisees and the scribes. 
It's about Jesus. I learned a life lesson as that consultant, and today's scripture has us identify three characteristics that we should all walk away with. These characteristics will ensure the authenticity of the spiritual experience of Jesus' followers. If we embrace and grow these qualities in our lives, we will safeguard our spiritual life and build a safety shield against abusive spirituality in our own words. Forgive me. These three spiritual gems belong to those who are open, dedicated, and humble. Open, dedicated, and humble. The actual word Jesus used in describing his followers were brothers, and I'd like to thank sisters. You have one teacher. You are all brothers and sisters. Christ is the only teacher. There is equality among the followers of Christ as all are learners and students. One, me, is not greater than the others. And a sure clue of abusive spirituality is when this sense of interdependence in the community of faith is absent. This does not eliminate the need for leaders in our communities because we do need leaders. But the model of leadership that Jesus lived and taught was the type of leadership that we need, a servant leader. Leadership in the neighborhood of faith is about service. There is an openness, an approachability. There is a kindness with those that are genuine spiritual leaders. Being open. Now dedicated. It says, call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. I don't think that Jesus was dissing dads. Because it's okay to have a father here on earth. What Jesus was saying is that it's like the first commandment. Don't have any other idols. Don't worship any other gods. You have one God. Worship belongs to God alone. When we have made God first, our love first, all else falls into proper place. Genuine spiritual leadership will receive the love, allegiance, and loyalty of others, and there will be nothing anxious about love, commitment, or dedication passed along to the Lord. They do not keep it to themselves. They share it. Humble. This is the quality that brings it all together. The greatest among you will be your servant. This is the most critical clue for evaluating spiritual leaders. There is humility instead of arrogance. Jesus makes his point with the truth that God will do the exalting and the humbling. And this is where the whole struggle between Jesus and the religious leaders who wanted him 
eliminated rests. Humility, unquestionable one of the marks of a Christian, is all about reprioritizing in light of Jesus. Humility is about loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about thinking less about yourself and lifting others. Humility is all about freeing oneself from pride and arrogance. Humility is all about the proper valuing of ourselves and the proper love of one's self in contrast to pride. Humility isn't about being a pushover. Just because you're humble doesn't mean that you need to be taken advantage of. Humility isn't about being a pushover. Or a grave that someone walks over as if you were already dead. Humility is about resting assured in God's love for yourself and for others. Humility is about recognizing that God is building us up and in turn paying a little bit more attention in how we build up each other. Again, humility is about rest assured in God's love for us and each other. It's about recognizing that God is forever building us up. Humility is all about the truth, about ourselves before God and one another. Humility is about us, God, and others, seeing where we fit and sit when there are three of us present. Us, God, and others. Humility can't ever be about God and us alone. Humility also involves the position of others as well us, God, and others, where the seat of honor goes to God and the rest of us, we're just equals. God uplifted, held high, and the rest of us, again, are just equals, fanned out with no special attention given to anybody. God sets a table for all. Humility is all about making sure everyone knows that you're invited to the table. God sets a table with room and provisions enough for everyone. Humility is about making sure everyone gets some food and nourishment. God sets a table for all. Humility seems a little like a contradiction. We are easily tempted to think that the way to greatness involves letting everybody know how great we are how well we've done, how we've prospered. There is a constant temptation for most people to put forward their best face and hope others will see and admire them. We want to be noticed and we want to be praised. We want to be patted on the back. And we often try to make that happen by the little things we do and say. And have you ever known anybody that tends to exaggerate the story? That happens, and sometimes we are guilty of that. On the flip side, if someone criticizes us and thinks ill of us, it can be devastating. If we hear that someone said something negative about us, 
We may go home, be depressed or angry for the rest of the day or the rest of the week. Why? Because our pride is wounded, and that wound can hurt. It can hurt unless we have discovered the incredible gift of humility. Remember, it's not about me. It's not about you. Humility is a virtue that enables us to be authentic. It allows us to cut through false personas and simply be who we are. It helps us be comfortable with our good qualities and our failures. Humility is nothing but being honest and honest about our lives and being comfortable in our own skin. In the disciple passage we read earlier, Jesus gives a wonderful lesson that is very hard to live, but is a key to living a happy life. He wants us to be exalted. He wants us to be noticed by others. He wants our light of goodness to shine for all to see and for that light to make a difference. But he wants it done truthfully not by presenting a false persona. He wants the real you, the real me, to shine forth. And that is humility. Humility is sincerity and genuineness. And when God and people see this quality in you, they're impressed. Not so much in a worldly way, but in an authentic way. They will not look at us and be envious. Instead, they will look at us and see our true qualities. They will enjoy those qualities, admire them, and want to be with us in God. You see, humility enables the real in you to shine. And believe it or not, the real in you is someone others want to meet greet, and get to know. The good news in this remarkable encounter is that we are invited to know that God who knows us and loves us as a parent, who knows us as children, who knows us as people, as God's beloved, and knows us as family. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters, who do not need human masters to confer with to determine our worth. We're set free by Jesus from that organizational result of cultic entrapment that presses upon us to desire to have power over others. We are set free from that bondage of self-power and self-preoccupation by the refreshing centeredness of these words that turn our eyes toward the Lord, towards our God, whom we are invited to call our Creator. So may my actions be that you can do as I do, that we can do as you do, and we can say as you say. Be open. Be dedicated. Be humble. Amen.